0: thank you so much for for time and, and space that we can come and we can seek you. Time and space that we can come and worship that we can come here from you. <coughs> and we just want to crack the door of our hearts right now, God, and pray that you would come and speak and we and minister and direct you would have your way. You know, so I pray that you would lead us um, today in a way that leads uh, to your glory, in a way that also leads just to life of peace and joy. Um, just Christ like this. in us as well. We love God. We need you. you just okay, just say, come Lord Jesus, come and, and minister, come and speak. Come and have your way. We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to start out this morning. Um, I want to, just based on the stats, I want to paint a picture for you of what uh, normal it is in regard to finances in America right now. Okay, so i want to just paint a picture for you of the normal American financial reality based on the data and the stats in our country right now. Let me just kind of point through a few of these if I can yeah, jump ahead there. All right, so here's, here's what the stats would say. The average American, the normal American household these days makes around $59,000, about $4,900 a month. Uh, Out of that, um, the average normal uh, American spends about almost $2,000 a month on debt repayment. Think about that. It's 41% of your pre-tax dollars, right? So if you take take your chunk, you take out two grand, you take out some for taxes because Uncle Sam wants his cut, Uh, we're left with like less than half of what we started with that we're spending on debt repayment, on cars and credit cards and student loans and houses and all this kind of stuff. 41%. Forty-one percent. Somebody, that ought to be John Rothman. Isn't that not John Robbie for you? That's a ton of money—two thousand dollars a month. How do people like to have a two thousand dollars a month raise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's—I mean—that's huge. Listen to this: the normal American uh, household has about sixteen thousand dollars of credit card debt. <coughs> the, the next one is crazy for me. The 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 normal American household spends about one hundred and eighteen percent of their monthly income every single month. So how do you think that's going to work out long-term, right? 118% at least we're spending more than we make each and every month, and then we're baffled at, like, why can't we seem to get out of the hole, right? It's because we keep spending and spending and spending. Listen to this. The the normal American household has money problems, as the number one cause of divorce and the biggest source of fighting in marriage. In fact, the American Bar Association did a study a number of years ago found that 89 percent of all divorces cite financial fighting as the number one cause for divorce. 89 percent. Crazy. And, uh, and the second thing they found is 67 percent of newlyweds said their most serious conflict in the first year of marriage was over? Money. Money, right? Two-thirds of Americans say they worry uh, about money on a daily basis, and, uh, and pretty much everybody, uh, all Americans, would say, uh, if, if only I made about 20% more than what I currently make, then I would be happy. Then would, I would, mean, they did a study, uh, people that were making $15,000 a year to people who were making $150,000 a year. All of them said the exact same thing. If only I made about 20% more, right, then, oh man, that'd be the good stuff. But the more they make, the more they just push that further down the field, 20% more and 20% more. And I look at stats like this, and the only conclusion I think a a rational thinking person can come to is don't be normal. (laughs) Who in their right mind would want to be normal? If that's the picture of what a normal American looks like, what their financial reality is, Who would want to emulate that? Why would we want that to continue at our lives? At some point, a rational person would look at the data and say, Stop the miracle round. I want to get off. Right? This this is insane. I don't want to live that way. I have had enough. If that's normal, then I'm not so sure I want to live it. I want to start out this morning just with a snippet. I want to read uh, a snippet from the Bible. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It's written by King Solomon. And, uh, And this is... The stuff that he's finding about normal and his conclusions are exactly the same as what the data tells us here. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. King Solomon uh, was, was one of the wisest guys who ever lived. God gave him incredible wisdom. A lot of it is recorded and written down in the Bible in a couple of books. The book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, to name a couple. And, um, and he's just sort of, he did a full-on survey of how this world works. Works. He was looking for meaning and purpose and fullness and joy and all this kind of stuff. And so you went from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and this is what he has to say about money. I thought this was an interesting uh, kind of findings, interesting conclusion. He says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Isn't that true? So what we were just talking about about 20 percent more, about 20 percent more, about 20 percent more. They all we always want or need more than what we have. He says this too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. In other words, he's saying the more you have, the more you spend, the more that goes out. It's just true. He says what benefits are there? Are, are and what benefit are they to the owners <coughs> except that they their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet. He says whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. In other words, he's saying the more you have, the more you worry, the more you stress, and the less sleep you get. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun: wealth poured to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that they have children. Uh, so that uh, when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry with them in their hands. This is what I have observed to be good, that it's appropriate for a person to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during their few days of life that God has given them, for that's their lot. He says, moreover, when God gives somebody wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them and to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this, he says, is a gift from God interesting? That's his conclusion. The smartest, sort of richest guy of his time, maybe the smartest and richest guy ever, comes to this conclusion. He says, money never satisfies, he says. You always want more. Then he goes on and says, the more you have, the more you spend. You just consume more and more and more and more. He goes on to say, it's never enough. The more you have, the more you stress and worry, the more sleep you lose over those riches. And he goes on to say, you know, you, you can't even take it with you. Even if you if you build it up and you you, you accumulate more and more and more and more, what are you going to do? Eventually, you die, and that's it. That's gain. What what good is it, he's saying, under all that kind of stuff? He's kind of painting a picture of what normal is. He's saying, you know, we typically go after, we typically think, oh, man, I need more money. I need more stuff. I need more whatever, and then I could be happy. And he says, you know, that, that may be normal. It may be Maybe may be normal to consume yourself with that. But you know what he's saying? If that's normal, he's saying it's meaningless. There has got to be more. He said instead, would you choose something abnormal? Would you choose instead to enjoy the life that God is giving you? Would you choose to work, work hard, right? Do, do the thing. But then live with contentment and peace and joy in the midst of your finances. Can we just hit the pause button for a second segment? Are those words that you typically associate with money, peace, and joy, and contentment? My hunch, and what the stats would say, right, is that what we really, our experience with money is exactly the opposite, right? It, it leads to anxiety in our life. It leads to stress. It leads to biting and bickering. It leads to a continual thirst for more. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's sort of what it leads to. That's the normal uh, experience with money. And it's a big deal in our lives. It's a big deal in our culture. It zaps us of life, it zaps us of peace. It sucks so much of the joy out of life. And I think that's why, perhaps, God spent so much time speaking into this and saying, no, there's a better way. Don't be normal. There's something better that God has in store. There's 2,300 Bible verses. You know, are 2,300 verses in Scripture that talk about money, talk about how to spend, what to do with, how to handle money. And I think, man, there's probably a reason for that, isn't there? One sixth of the Gospels, which are the biographies about Jesus Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one sixth of them deal with this whole topic of money, including one out of every three parables that Jesus taught, every, one out of every three stories that Jesus taught had to do with money, and how we handle it, and what to do with it, and whatever. Perhaps it's because he realized it was such a to deal to us. It was so important to our hearts. It's so important to the quality of our lives. It's so important even in our relationship with him. And so we as a church are taking the next four weeks to kind of, to, to kind of dig in and zero in on this whole topic to try and figure out, to try and make sense of it, first and foremost, right? To try and figure out which way is up because everything that the culture seems to be doing and the way that we we seem to get, be getting pulled is in a direction that leads to craziness. And so we're, we're going to try and push back the tide and zero in on God's truth a little bit, but also as a way just to to to, to say, man, what if, what if our finances really could be characterized by those things, by peace and by joy and by life instead of by all the other stuff? What if there's something? so we're going to zero in on these things for the next four weeks. I'm going to push hard. It's one of these deals. I'm going to push pretty hard for you to actually do something, right? This is, these are not messages that you're just supposed to store away and say, oh, good message, Pastor, right, kind of thing, and not do anything. I mean, the, the, the whole idea is that we would put these into practice so that we don't go the way of those stats, right, so that we don't get sucked down the road to just that downward spiral where we can't ever get out. We spend ourselves into oblivion. We find ourselves so uh, strapped with debt that we can never find free And so I'm going to push hard, but I'm doing it for your good, right? We're going to to zero in on this. this, uh, I'll I'll tell you, but some of these things, man, I'm preaching to myself as well. I mean, all of us need a kick in the butt on this from time to time. And so uh, I just think God's got good stuff in store for us. Today I want to start out by talking about uh, this whole issue of um, provision or this whole issue of planning. And so we'll kind of walk through some scriptures and learn some lessons. But let me start by telling you a story because I... There's a quote that I read probably 20-plus years ago. Um, there's a, It's written by uh, a guy by the name of Stu Weber. It's a book on manhood. and uh, Before uh, all the women in the room just kind of turned their brains off, Just to, I think it applies equally to everybody. So don't, so don't, don't uh, check out on this. But I want to read It's a little bit lengthy, but I want to read it to you. Because he, he talks about this whole idea of provision in a way that is unique and in a way, I think, that would be a great starting place for us today. He says this. He says, in our culture, you can go to that next slide? He says, in our culture, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll start, and you guys can catch up, how about that? You <laughs> must have the wrong one, because I dropped it in there. Anyway, he says this, in our culture, when we think of provision, we think of food on the table and a roof over our heads. Actually, he says, the emphasis on provision is actually vision, right? It's the word vision. The pro part of the word indicates before or ahead of time. Vision obviously speaks to sight or seeing. He says, well, what does this formula yield? Looking ahead, giving direction, anticipating needs, defining the destination, riding ahead of the wagon train on scout duty, he says. Then he says this. What makes a man? First and foremost, it's vision. Vision a vision for something larger than himself, a vision for something out there ahead, a vision of a place to go, a cause to give oneself for. Call it a sense of destiny. Call it a hill to climb, a mountain to conquer, a continent to cross, a dream glimmering way out there on the horizon. Call it what you will, but at its heart, it's vision. A man must have a vision ahead of time project, think forward, lift his eyes, and chart the course ahead. Ask leading questions, picture the future, anticipate what the uh, months and years may bring. A provisionary is one who lives at and beyond the horizon. This is the very essence of leadership, he says. As men, we often misplace our vision. We focus myopically on houses and cars and bank accounts and piling up stuff. We imagine we find status and security in these things when in fact there is no status or security if you don't have relationships. We revert to the, the, to the things that we can see when in fact it is the unseen world, the world of the spirit, the world of relationships where we ought to be majoring in provision. Matters of character, heart, s- uh, spirit, integrity, justice, humility, the kinds of things that last. The character traits that outlive a man at least not a monument but a legacy. What confidence that kind of masculine leadership brings to an organization, to a family, or to a church? First of all, isn't that a great quote? I've had it written in my journal for like 20-some years. And I'm like, man, I love the picture that it paints. of I'm just, I'm just saying, and I think it fights against our culture to some degree. Because well, we are very much a, a here-and-now kind of culture, aren't we? I think we just, we just, especially when it comes to the area of money, we just spend. We just impulse buy. We just kind of go with what we want. Well, you you deserve it. Just go get it. Just go buy it. And if you don't have the money, it doesn't matter. That's what MasterCard is for, right? Just, like, like, it's all good. Don't worry about it. We, we, we focus so much. Why don't you get on the here and now, and but I think the cry of scripture, and uh, you'll see this as we go Is would you just lift your eyes a little bit? Would you look to the future? Would you take the long term plan? Would you have some pro vision and look forward? It's a great, I mean, I love the concept of this whole thing, but when it comes to finances in our lives, I don't really think there's much of a sense of provision these days. I mean, we tend to spend. We just buy impulsively. Money flies out the window. We pay bills. We buy Christmas presents or whatever, and then we get depressed when January comes and we get the credit card bill, and we didn't really have the money to spend in the first place, right? It's sort of a reactive sort of thing. We're like, "Oh no, what am I going to do?" Instead of lifting our eyes, did, did Christmas come by surprise this year? You know, what what's the date of Christmas? Is it gonna come again at the same time next year, and the year after that, and the year after that? Right? If only we were to lift our eyes and look ahead, how much that would transform our lives. Pro-vision. So often it seems like we just live month to month, day by day, and we sacrifice the future for the whims of today. We sacrifice the important, even. The things that even are important to us, we sacrifice them just for the impulse buys of today. at the end of the year, we get our W-2s, and we think, I have no idea where most of that money went. I made made this much money, and yes, there was a house payment, or there was rent, or there was whatever, and I know where some of that went, but I look back and look, there's a huge chunk of money we stole. We don't have any idea where it went. Today, I'm just going to look at a few different scriptures, and we're going to learn kind of three different lessons, and then we're going to apply them if we can. Uh, The first one comes from Proverbs 21.20. And I think this is great. I've got two different translations. It says this. It says, uh, the wise store up. That's that's the, the emphasis there. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Another translation puts it this way. The wise, again, store up wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. It's fascinating to me, but the difference... Again, this is, this is Solomon writing it, but it's really God-inspired. The difference, God says, between a fool and a wise man or a wise woman has to do with financial margin. It says the wise man or woman is one that, that uh, does not consume all that they have, but they leave some room. They leave some space. They save some. They build margin into their lives. In other words, they live on less so that they've got some reserves, so that they've got some space They've got some food that hasn't been eaten in the back room, right? They've got some, some savings, an emergency reserve account so that when things happen, because they always do, they've got reserves. They've got some provision. They're looking ahead. They are planning ahead, but they said, you know what a fool does? A fool just blows whatever they have, right? They got money burning a hole in their pocket. They're gonna spend it someplace, right? So they go, to, they go to Best Buy, or they go to Walmart, or they go to wherever, and they just blow it all, and it's done because they're, they're thinking about today and not tomorrow. Their eyes are focused right, up, right here, is to lift them up and see the bigger picture. I'll tell you what, um, and I'm not really talking about anybody in particular, so Umbrella of Mercy, if I've had a conversation with you, I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> but I talk to people every week, I literally do. We, we, between inside the church or outside the church, these days we get, uh, we've been getting probably on average maybe three or four calls a, a week where we sit down with people and they, they kind of share their story with us and they're asking for help, and as a church, of course, that's part of our heart, it's part of our passion, it's part of the command of God, and so there's a compassion part of, of ministry, any ministry, and we help people all the time, right? so it's, it, it, it's not a matter of that, but I, I'll tell you what—it's interesting just to kind of sit back and look at the pattern, because this, this pattern happens all the time, and we get calls, and its it's a a million different conversations, but it's the same story every time, right? It's a, it's a, well, I mean, we we're going along, we were we were surviving, right? And then all of a sudden, something happened. Maybe there was an extra expense. Expense. The car broke down. Maybe we got sick, and so we couldn't work for a week or two or three. We're hour, you know, paid paid by the hour, and so there's no income. Or or uh, the furnace broke. Or I don't know, pick some. I mean, just right. We were going along, and and something happened. And the wheels fell off because we have no reserve, because we're in a habit of spending every single penny that we get. And so if any if the unexpected happens, we're toast. And then the crazy part is that we, we kind of go along thinking, well, those things aren't going to happen. My car's never going to break down. It's kind of how we function, right? Or, my, or my, uh, my furnace is going to keep going forever. Or, you know, uh, my job is I'm never going to get sick. Or there's never going to be hospital bills. And so we just consume and consume and consume and consume. And we are never looking to the future. We are never saving margin. And God says, you know, and again, forgive me. I'm not talking to you, but I am talking to all of us, right? But God says, man. That's so foolish. So often we end up being in crisis and we end up stirring up stress in our lives because we're foolish with our finances, because we just consume everything. Instead, God says, would you not be normal? Right? Don't be normal. Instead, would you learn to survive unless, like, right? would you save, would you put some back? Would you leave some breathing room? In your financial worlds. So, because things are gonna happen so that when those things come, you'll have margin, you'll have room, you can breathe, you will not be any financial dyers. Make sense with me? And the first kind of principle God says is the wise person lives with margin while the fool just eats up all they have. I think there's things in our culture I should probably stay on task, but I think there's things in our culture that sort of uh, encourage that. Like if you go to the bank, I always think this is fascinating. If you go to the bank and say, "Hey, I'm thinking of buying a house," they tell you how much you can afford, quote unquote, right? You, you give them all your financials, and oftentimes it's like a huge amount of money. It might be double the amount of house that you should really have, but this is how they make money. They're like, "Oh yeah, you can have like 150 or 200, whatever. But you can have all this, you know, of debt. They're happy to give it to you." And so we kind of think, well, that's what I can afford, right? So we go out and we, we buy things or we buy a car and say, oh, you can have this? Or they send us credit cards and say, well, you can get $15,000 credit limit or whatever. But well, they must think I can handle that. That must be what I can afford. But really, are you kidding me? That's it. We're extending ourselves to the margins and beyond until we get to the point where 41% of our income is spent in debt repayment and we are going under and sucking us under. Instead, God says, don't be a fool. Why don't you live on less than what you could? So you get margin? hear me? hear what God's saying to you on that? Man, I'm telling you what, there's some of us that need to hear this. All of us probably to some degree need to hear this and say, man, if if we would choose to step back and live a little bit less, it would create so much less stress and, I don't know, weight and all that stuff in our lives. All right, I should keep going. Second thing, second verse I'll just look at is Proverbs 27. 23 through 24 says this. It says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Now in those days, uh, shepherding, right it was an agrarian sort of culture, so shepherding, having sheep, equated to assets, right? It equated, it equated to what you had to live on. I like, can remember my mom, my mom, uh, my grandparents uh, lived on a farm, so my mom grew up on a farm. I can remember hers, her talking about this as a kid. We, they, they had uh, cattle uh, on, on their farm and uh, and they would, I mean it's, anytime you have animals, I mean it's a it's a labor of love, man. Like these people are up there milking when it's dark outside. I mean, that. For those that have, uh, that are doing um, you know, beef cattle kind of things. Uh, again, you... you you don't go anywhere, you don't do anything. You're serving, you're feeding, you're taking care of. If they're sick, you get them help, you're, I mean, all this stuff you're uh, putting away and it's it's, a, it's a quite the deal. But she talks about watching that as being a part of that and then once a year they would take um, their cattle, they'd take them up to Chicago to the stockyards. They'd sell them uh, to butchers and to, to companies, whatever, uh, that would use you know, them for meat and, and resell them and that kind of stuff. And so they would come home from the stockyards with a pile of money, <laughs> not really, but it's a check or whatever. I mean, it would be tens of thousands of dollars, which again in that day, I mean, that's enormous money, right? That's a lot. That's a ton of. It's a ton of money in our day. If you don't kid yourself, but, but but right, this kind of thing. But my grandpa would would say to the kids as they're looking at this check or they're, they're talking about the money, he'd be like, "Yeah, this is what we have to live on. This is what's going to buy Christmas presents. Is where we're going to get groceries for the rest of the year. It's how we're going to actually be able to afford to buy the young calves." Next year, that we're gonna—it's gonna pay for their feed and their shots and their everything else. It's gonna be what we use to pay for our house. It's gonna be what we—I mean—and so you start—you start realizing they're looking ahead, they're planning ahead, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, because he's—and then even when you're watching camera, yeah, these are—this is our assets. This is the money that we have. This is what we have to live on. That's what he's getting at here he's saying, to say, man, keep close. A close eye on your flocks. Keep a close eye on your herds representing assets. He's saying, watch your income. Watch your expenses. Take good care of them. Because they represent groceries. They represent rent. They represent the future. They represent what you're know what you going to be able to have and not, not have and all that kind of stuff. Pay careful attention to it, God says. I think just with this, he's, he's just saying, uh, watch it closely. Define reality. I've got a, somebody who says, all the time, they just say, "Reality is your friend," <laughs> I think that's that's so often true. Uh, but we don't think of it. Sometimes money causes anxiety for us, and so we tend to like ignore it. Like uh, I was reading something this this. Uh, we could saying, especially when it comes to like, hey, we we bought the Christmas presents in December. People will like ignore, like passively aggressively uh, ignore their credit card bills and stuff in January because they don't want to know, right? They're like, I know it's bad. I don't want to know. But but God's saying, hey, pay careful attention to that kind of stuff. Pay careful attention to your income. Pay careful attention to your expenses. Do you know where your finances are going? Do you know what's up with that? So often. I think stress comes into our lives because we don't know the condition of our flocks. We still know. I mean, I I, I wonder if we ask questions, I wonder what we really know. Do you know how much you spent on Christmas presents this year? Do you know how much you you spend on groceries on a given month? Do you know how much you spend on gas in a given month? Do you know what your typical income is? Do you know how much you have to put away for insurance? Or how much you have to, um, do you know the condition of your flocks? Now, I mean, there's some of those that we probably do. like, I don't know what my paycheck is, right? I'm going to pay attention to that. But sometimes, especially when it comes to the expenses, we just don't know. We don't know. That. And that can cause so many problems for us. I have to say we live in a day that's actually pretty cool for this kind of stuff. If you don't know the condition of your flocks, there's about a gazillion <laughs> free tools that you can use to help you. Uh, I'm going to mention a few just to keep it practical. But if this is something that you're like, maybe because before you can make good plans, before you can really plan and look for the future and, and do the provision, then you gotta know where, where you're starting, what your reality is. And so if this is you and you're like, man, I don't, I don't really feel like we've got a good handle on where our money's going. It's gonna, you know, I kinda get to the end of the year wonder where it all went. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of how it works. Or I might know uh, what my balance is in my checkbook on my phone, I can, I can check it. But you might not know you might not really have a, a, a full handle on, on the, where the money's going. So, if that's the case, here's a couple suggestions. Mint.com. I think this is—it's great. It's a free app. You can download. You put in. It's a secure thing. It's done by Quicken. People make quick Quicken, QuickBooks, all that kind of stuff. You put uh, some information into that. And it, your checking account and. Uh, credit card if you use it, or a debit card, and it'll actually categorize all your spending for you. And so you can look back and say, I'm spending, this is how much I'm really spending on gas. I might think I'm spending $200 a month. In reality, I'm spending $500 a month on gas. It helps you to plan accordingly. Before you can plan, you gotta know the condition of your flocks. It might be that you have a, a a job that fluctuates, your income fluctuates. right? Maybe you get bonuses sometimes of the year, maybe, who knows, maybe you're commission-based, maybe whatever. It'll help you know, really, this is how much you're averaging. This is how much you're actually bringing in. Or, or, and again, helpful to know where you're starting from, some of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, fantastic stuff that it puts it in a graph form. Super easy to to, uh, to use and that kind of stuff. There's another one, it's called youneedabudget.com. This one, it eventually has uh, some price associated with it, it's a few dollars a month, or whatever. but they've got all kinds of planning tools and all kinds of whatever, but they do help you to track um, all of your uh, income expenses, all that kind of stuff. For us, we've used <laughs> it for about 20 years, probably, 15 or 20 years. It's a software that we've got on our computer, we track every penny, and it's fantastic for knowing, again, keeping track on, What's coming in, what's going out? It helps us to plan, it helps us to budget, it helps us to know where our money is going, it helps us to be wise in making decisions. Saying, you know what, I don't want to spend that much money on that category. (laughs) Like, I'd rather have it over here so you can make some decisions to make that happen. Uh, It helps us to. Again, like just the provision piece as well, to be saving every month for different categories that, are, that we know we're gonna come out. Every month, we put a little bit of money aside into a gifts category, right? So that when birthdays and Christmas and whatever happens, we've got some money. We've got, we've, we're prepared already, it doesn't cause us stress. We've got a car repair fund, right? To put money in every month because you know what's gonna happen, right? We've got cars that uh, have a lot of miles and a lot of years on them. And so you know what's gonna happen, so you, you, you plan for that, you, you, you prepare for that. We do all kinds of stuff with that. But it's, again, this all comes back to just knowing the condition of your flocks. If we don't keep a careful watch on where we spend our money, we'll end up wondering where it all went. Okay, so keep a close eye, be watchful. God's sake, watch. Keep a close watch on your flocks. Keep a close watch on your hurt. Stress and worry comes into our lives when we are in the dark about our finances. We don't know the condition of our flocks. and we keep a, a careful eye on that kind of stuff, it allows us to make smart decisions, right? I mean, we do this all the time. Tina and I just had a conversation two nights ago, saying oh, we need to update our budget again because some things have shifted around in terms of dates, and so uh, we gotta move some things around again. But it helped. every time we do it, and every time we do our taxes, and every time we have those conversations, we need to step back and try to be smart, like do I really want to spend that much on cell phones every month? <laughs> it's a legitimate question, right? Or do I want, or is there a cheaper way to do this? I mean, when you look at it, especially for an annual thing, you're like, hey, do I want to spend 100 or 200 whatever dollars a month, or do we take the cheapy route? Do we want to, right, I mean, do we want to pay that much for internet? Do we really need cable? So, I mean, we don't, but I mean, like, that, that could be a thing. like, do we really want to, right? If you know the condition of your flocks, it helps you to be smart and to plan um, uh, where your your resources go rather than where they went. Okay, one more. Number three says this, uh, it's Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. God urges us to plan our spending. Planning and diligence in following it leads to profit. God says, well, haste just sort of purchasing, just sort of spending with no plan leads to poverty. God says, don't be a fool. Make a financial plan. Make a budget. Now, I have to say, when some of us hear words like that, we might freak out. Some of us hear, you know, budget. Some of us hear plans start twitching, right? Our eyes start twitching. We start, I got really uncomfortable with this language. I ran across a quick video, <laughs> which literally is 45 seconds. Take a look. Mommy, you Daddy, know, so I no, I don't know what that is. I mean, ask Mommy, that <sighs> <sighs> No $2 dollars in your lifetime when we talk about budgeting when we talk about planning you're saying this is what I want to do with the fortune that God has entrusted to me we when we think of when we hear 25,000 last well, not nearly enough but when you hear I mean, God's entrusted a million dollars how are you going to spend the trust that God has given to you what what are you going to invest your life in your life in your funds in are you going to spend it intentionally? Are you going to, to, to budget and create a plan that lives out your priorities, that lives out your values, what's important to you, your beliefs, is that going to show up in your plan? Or are you just going to spend yourself in, with, with no direction month after month after month after month? Again, God says don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. It's the plans of the diligent lead to end up, lead to plenty while well, just the impulsively going after whatever. Spending on our whims leads to poverty, he Well, sorry, I'm running out of time. I'm debating on what to say and not to say. It. But I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, I mean, I think budgets, I think plans are about making your money do what you want it to do, right? It's about it's about living out what, your values. It's about budgeting for what's important to you. I mean, we have, I won't say fun, but there are parts of budgeting that are fun, right? Where you say, you know what? For T and I, I've shared this with you before, but for Tina and I, uh, She's off work on Mondays, Mondays are my days off, so we call it date day, right? That's, we, then we send the kids off to school, you we'll know, have fun, and we go and we just, just have fun and being together that day, so we budget for that. We budget a certain amount of money so we can go grab coffee, or we can go um, wherever, gas money, that we can go uh, drive up to Star Rock, it's not like 20 below zero. Or what, I mean, we can do whatever, we can go to the cheap movie, we can do that, we, we, we budget money because that's important to us, right? That, that's a value for us. We budget money for things that matter. We budget money every month for vacation because we we value a time where our family can just get away, where I especially can be unplugged, but all of us can just our focus can be just on each other and growing and having fun and making memories, that's important to us and so we budget for that every month. We take a little bit of money and we stick it away in, in, in a savings account until um, summer hits or whatever and we can go and do that. We budget money for giving, uh, for presents and for different all kinds of different things because that matters to us. Right? We put, God's in our budget because that matters to us. We're going to talk more about that next week. That's a priority for us. There's all this kind of stuff that i mean, budget. It's really about being intentional about using what God has entrusted to you as opposed to just wondering where it all went. This is something that matters because it it affects so much in our lives. It affects our heart. It affects our our relationship with God. Man, this is good stuff. My hunch is that so, there's a portion of us that probably don't have a budget, right? Right? That's that's just sort of one of the things. Learn a lesson from God saying, man, why don't you why don't you live this stuff? There's a portion of us that have a budget in a file somewhere, but we, we don't really live by it, right? Like we just we sort of printed this out one time and then we live however we want. I think it's interesting if we can go back to that verse that was in there for you backslide. Yeah. Oops. Okay. Well, maybe forward, I don't know, <laughs> whatever, but uh, But the the, the verse here, Proverbs twenty one five says, "The plans of the diligent." You know, diligence is diligence isn't about knowing; it's about doing. Diligence is about (coughs) living this stuff out day after day. It's not just about having a plan; it's about actually putting it into practice. Dave Ramsey says this, if I can jump back ahead, he says this, winning money is 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior, and it's true, right? I mean, I think even with what we've talked about today, you probably have plenty of knowledge. That's not the hard part, right? The hard part is actually putting it into practice. I mean, it's it's not that, I mean, how many of us have never heard before that savings is a good thing? Probably none of us, all of us know, that would be a good thing, that would be smart, that would create some buffer and some cushion so that when stuff happens, I have some cash reserve. It's not that we don't know it, it's that we don't do it. So like I said throughout the series, I'm gonna push hard on some of these things and I'm gonna say, I want you to do something. Doing something is better than nothing, right? The, The best time to take action on this stuff would've been yesterday, but the second best time is today, right? The worst time is tomorrow. So would you take action? Would you put some of these things into practice? Let me, let me just kind of run through um, some practical things. I'm, I'm just breaking out these, these three different verses that we've looked at. And just kind of run through this. The first one is this track your income. Jump ahead if you can. This is high I agree, but do you know how much you have coming in, right? Start with that. This is, this is what God has entrusted to you. We just start with tracking your income. Know know the condition of your flocks. The next one is to track your expenses. And again, I'm talking real numbers, not pretend numbers. If you if you say, well, I'd like to be spending you know $200 a month on on rest, you know, going out to eat, but really you're spending $500 a month on going out to eat, and that doesn't. I mean, that's not really helpful, right? You have to know your reality. So just be crystal clear with defining your reality. This is how much we spend. If you don't know, this is where those tools come in. Midcom and some of the others. Uh, track. Every penny, track so you know the condition of your flocks. Know what's coming in, know what's going out, and then, uh, let's keep going here. Right, make and follow a budget. Don't just create it, but put it into practice. Right, again, this is this is uh, vision stuff. I, I put a couple sub points under here. Right? If you're married, don't just have one person make the budget, this is not going to work. Remember, it's about what's important to you. You wanna cause conflict in your marriage? Make it by yourself and tell your wife or your husband that they have to follow your plan. That's gonna go real well, right? (laughs) Don't do that. Right. So make it together. It's about what's important to you corporately. Make sure each person age. Each of us has input into this kind of thing. second thing on there, uh, again, under making and following the budget, is make sure you're looking at the provision. Keep I mean, keep in mind even the things that aren't monthly, regular monthly expenses, things like Christmas presents, which you're thinking about now because it's January, right? But uh, things like, uh, we, we plan every month and we put away a little bit for some of our insurance things, because our insurance things come, come weird times. We got, I got life insurance that's a once a year thing, or we've got a house or, you know, whatever. Uh, car insurance, it doesn't come every month, it comes, you know, twice a year or whatever. And so you put money away every month for that kind of thing so that when it comes, you're ready You can provision. You're looking forward. You're thinking about not just today, but the whole year. So what kinds of expenses are you going to need? Make sure you build those things in. I will mention, if uh, if you're, you're like, man, when we are talking about plans and stuff, if you're like, man, I need help with budgeting, Couple of quick things, I put 15 of these packets on the back table back there. If you need help with coming up with a budget, this has some great starting packets. Uh, and it's got just some sheets and things to fill out, some information, some articles, all that kind of stuff will help you track. Also, I have to say, if, if you're like, man, I kind of suck at this and <laughs> I need help, Call me out. Let's grab coffee. I'd love to sit down and help any way I can. Sometimes just having another person. I know there's a few other people in our church, too, that are passionate about this. We'd love to help you. Sometimes just having somebody outside of your situation can help you think differently. So um, do that kind of thing. Anyway, keep going. Make sure your values, beliefs, all that kind of stuff are, uh, are budgeted. Budget your values and priorities. Uh, this is uh, I put leave margin, but here's what I put on my I put when the money is gone quit spending. (laughs) You'd think that was a simple thing, but really, right? So often we don't live that way. We're like, oh, I'm I'm done with my money, but now I'll just put it on the credit card, right? No, no, no. When you're done spending, or when you're done with your money, quit spending, right? It's that simple. Uh, But leave margin, leave some space, plan intentionally to save. We're going to talk more about this um, in two weeks, and I think this could be this, that one piece of intentionally putting some money aside, I don't care if it's $25 a month or $50 a month, but intentionally starting to put some stuff back and say, you know what, I'm gonna live on less than I could, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create even a little bit of margin, I'm gonna take a step in that direction, and to have consistent uh, every month, we have an automatic withdrawal. But when we get paid, it automatically puts some in savings for us before it's, it's out of the check before before we think it's ours, right? Just as a way to intentionally build that that habit and that rhythm of savings into it, so that when the unexpected happens, we've got a reserve. I kind of, encourage you strongly to do that. Um, I, I think I put it the next. Okay, I did. Uh, oh yeah, I did. Cash cash envelope system. Okay. I have to say this is great, this is Dave Ramsey, all kinds of other people that are way smarter than me have taught this for years, but it's something that we do with all of our uh, discretionary categories, stuff like uh, uh, grocery money, stuff like eating out, entertainment, anything money we get in cash, and you put them in different categories or different envelopes or whatever, and it helps you to, I mean when you can actually see the money, you know how much you have to spend, right? And so if you need to borrow from one category to another, you can do that, but then you know that you have less in that other category, right? And when the money is gone, you quit spending. That's the way it works, right? It, it's it's incredibly helpful because it lets you budget. You're like, well, I've got $40 left, and if we go and do this $35 thing, that means it's gonna be really long, you know, rest of the month or whatever. So you might, it helps you to plan differently, to choose differently, right? Learn to say no to things. Just say, you know, no. So unless, and if, you, if it's still important, you can save for it for the next month. Make sure you have reserves and that kind of stuff. And um, what else you got? Pull up that next one. Yep, when well, the money's gone, quit spending. And I just put this one last, enjoy slash embrace what God's given you. Uh, the Ecclesiastes 5 uh, passage that I started with ends by just saying, man, this is the good stuff. If you can learn to just enjoy what God has entrusted with you, this is so important. Let me. I got two more scriptures I'll share with you on that topic. It just says, it's better a little with the fear of the Lord. This is uh, Proverbs 15. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf or a big feast with hatred. And 1 Timothy 6.17 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world uh, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything. What does that say? For our enjoyment. Sometimes when we start talking about finances, and I want us to be looking up and planning ahead and, and dreaming and planning, but sometimes we can get so focused on that that we don't enjoy the present. I, I hear people all the time that we, well, when I retire, or when the house gets paid off, or when the kids are, what, you know, fill in the blank, when this happens, then I'll enjoy it. I'll tell you what, that never happens, and so uh, God just re- reminds us and just, sometimes we just need to also just enjoy what's before us. Make sure that your budget and your plan also leaves space and leaves room to just enjoy who God has given. Friends, uh, today's just an introduction. We're going to dig down deeper into all of these kind of topics in the upcoming weeks. But I just want to encourage you to take action on on these things. Maybe for you today, maybe God's speaking and saying, you know what? You've been living right up to the edge. Right in the danger zone. And maybe he's saying to you today, "Would would you put some things into practice so that you can live with some margin Maybe the reality for us is that we, need to, to, we don't even know what's happening in, a, in our financial world. So maybe we need to take, take some action to even figure out where's our money going? How can we take advantage of this? How can we know what's happening so that we can plan better? Maybe, maybe for you, you need to, to, to put a budget together, I maybe mean, sit down as a family or as a couple or as an individual or whatever and just actually come up with a plan that, 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 that uh, models and reflects what's important to you, what matters. And then not only come up with a plan, but actually be disciplined and live that kind of thing out so we can start uh, lowering our levels of stress, so we can start increasing our levels of joy and our levels of peace, our levels of life even in this whole area of our finances. Let's close with prayer. God, that's our cry um, this morning, Lord. So often when it comes to this issue of finances, we are living in stress-filled days and lives. I pray as well that you teach us to walk into your wisdom. We want, to, we want to be wise men and wise women. We want to put your plans and your good plans in place in our lives. and live going out and experience the blessing and the peace, the joy the that comes from the trust of the finances. Would you teach us to do that as we would help us to take action and move these things forward. We love you, God. We need you. We offer ourselves to you.